Uh, Eli Betker, he joins us. He is a contributor and uh, follows the Mountain West Conference in a lot of different ways. And uh, it it's, covers a lot of these different teams from a different perspective than just following one specific team. And joining us to let us know the current state of where things are in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, Eli, thanks for joining us tonight here on the Full Court Press. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, your reactions to seeing San Diego State climb into the top 25 in, in, the, in the polls and seeing Utah State completely fall out. Yeah, I thought the polls were a little bit harsh on uh, Utah State's uh, recent results. And I do understand a little bit about the, the hesitancy that the AP voters have with a mid-major program, regardless of who it is. But uh, Utah State has played good basketball to this point. They do have that loss of St. Mary's, which probably could have gone either way and uh, not an easy place to play, of course. But uh, moving on to San Diego State, I will say the Aztecs have been a bit of a su- su- surprise for me. And um, that's mainly because I projected the Mountain West to, in large part, be a, a one-bid league heading into the season. Just wasn't quite sure that SDSU was on the same level as Utah State. And uh, we'll certainly see plenty of action between those two teams as the season goes along. But um, the Aztecs now looking the part of a team that can contend with Utah State um, from, from this point on until we get to the Mountain West Tournament in Las Vegas. Yeah, kind of similar thoughts that you had coming into the season that it would be Utah State and then everybody else. But clearly San Diego State is having their own opinions of how that should be. But uh, beyond San Diego State, New Mexico actually is still looking like they're playing pretty decent basketball right now in the early season as well. Yeah, they they have played a good basketball. And and that's probably the team that I have uh, probably the most modest opinion on in the Mountain West this season. I just was not quite buying into the Lobos heading into the year, and I know how much talent is on this roster. You have so many high-major capable transfers, but uh, as we've seen, especially in this conference and in years past, it's it's a challenge to get all of those players on the same page when they come from different schools for a variety of reasons, and Uh, What Eric Musselman did with that Nevada program the last handful of seasons, I I think, is not the norm. It's more of the exception. And what Paul Weir has done, uh, tying this group together, a lot of of capable guys there, and start 9-2, and and probably looking the part of the third or at least the fourth best team in the conference, it's a nod to him. And um, as always, Albuquerque is going to be a tough place to play. So uh, any team that goes into... Uh, Albuquerque will have a tough time scratching out a win, especially when the team is playing like this. Did, uh, did you ever think that Paul Weir's job may be a little bit insecure, or from, or do you feel like the, this is a guy that's still young and has uh, showing some improvement with his ball club? Yeah, I think consistency has been probably the the biggest obstacle for Paul Weir to this point, and it's a program that definitely has a strong history. Uh, you know what Steve Alford now with Nevada did with that program just a handful of seasons ago. And Craig Neal was just given four years after what was a really successful first season. So I I don't feel like it's necessarily a tournament or bust situation for Paul Weir, as some might have guessed heading into the season. Um, but, I mean, things really went sideways last season, the way that they wrapped things up, losing to San Jose State and just, pretty much collapsing down the stretch um, with a team that is almost as talented as this team is this season. I, I would be pretty stunned if they make a move in the off season, at least with the current trajectory of New Mexico. 
And that's mainly because Paul Weir, uh, just from what I know about him, he just seems like a very intelligent mind and is trying to bring new things to the table um, with the way he strategizes and and gets his players to mesh. So uh, I, I do like what he's done so far this season and it should continue on that uh, path that he's, he's built or he's um, paved in Mexico so far. When uh, you, you mentioned Eric Musselman, uh, he leaves no- Nevada, and in his place comes another coach that's very familiar with the Mountain West. Uh, Steve Alford uh, had some pretty good success when he was at uh, at New Mexico. Didn't have that same level of success. Kind of struggled at UCLA, but he comes back to the Mountain West, different location. Do you see that uh, translating okay after Nevada left? Had so many key players leave. Uh, they, they seem to be kind of finding themselves or uh, at this point where earlier in the season, maybe there's still some uncertainty about what they would look like. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to take some time, of course, with Steve Alford. And uh, it's, I mean, how many coaches can you really rely upon across the nation um, to inherit a new roster, a new program, one that's lost five senior starters uh, and just what was a tremendous season for Nevada, even if, it didn't translate to NCAA tournament victories. Just what Musselman had done the last three, four years for this program uh, was tremendous. And so it's there There are going to be nights like there were on Tuesday night, and I know that Nevada didn't expect to lose to BYU by 30-something points, but it's, it's just going to happen when you're in a bit of a transitional phase, and I don't think any coach is necessarily um, immune from that. Uh, I do think that Nevada long-term will be just fine, and um, they might even wind up competing for – maybe the second or third spot uh, for the Mountain West tournament um, later next year. So I think that this program will be just fine. And Steve Alford, I do think is the right pick to carry on what Eric Musselman has been able to accomplish. So um, I think that they'll be just fine in Reno. So uh, you certainly there's like a, 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 what I would classify as a top tier of the Mountain West, San Diego State, Utah State. I'd even include New Mexico in that. Nevada's just on the outside, but not too far. And then you just have a whole lot of, I don't know what. I mean, a lot of disappointment, mediocrity. Uh, this doesn't seem like the, the rest of the Mountain West is doing a heck of a whole lot. Am I missing something there, or would you classify it differently? No, I, I, think, you, I think you nailed it there. I think it has to come down a lot of like which players we had outgoing in the spring and a lot of talented um, players just for pretty much across the board, every team lost at least one starter that was an upperclassman. So you do see, do see a lot of that um, transition. I think uh, UNLV, Fresno, and Boise State, those are three programs that are probably capable of turning it around, but um, Fresno State and UNLV have, have struggled out of the gates, closing down some winnable games um, for sure. Those are two programs that I have my eyes on. Um, and, I, and I do really like the Boise State program as well. Um, Derek Olson's a guy that I think is as capable of any player in this conference, and, and he'll go on and have a very professional career. Um, whether or not he has the supporting cast to back him up, um, I think a lot of that has to say with what Leon Rice can put together for this program. But uh, I think you're right. It's beyond those top three, four schools that you listed. It's pretty much a bunch of question marks. I think a number of these programs could finish probably as high as fifth and maybe as low as ninth or tenth. Um, I mean, even even Wyoming and San Jose State have shown some positive signs. They don't really necessarily know where those two programs that 
were picked to finish 10th and 11th respectively. You don't really know where those will finish up either. So um, that, it, it brings plenty of excitement to the Mountain West, so in a program that uh, seems to surprise at least uh, twice a week. At this point, and granted it is still a very young season, but at this point of the season, is there one team that surprises you more than any and perhaps how maybe disappointed you are in where they're at and how well they're, or how well they're not doing? Yeah, I, I would probably say Fresno State has probably been my underwhelming choice. Uh, they've And they've lost some really close games, but I, I still think when you have a group of guys led by Nate Grimes, who I think is a, a tremendous forward, and um, Noah Blackwell, who's a, who's a great guard that's now stepping in for uh, the outgoing Deshaun Taylor, I, I did have at least somewhat modest expectations for this Fresno State program, but I wasn't necessarily expecting a two and six start with losses to San Diego, CSU Northridge. Um, so I, I can't expect this team to turn it around as the season progresses, but you can probably say that about just about every team uh, in this conference. But on more of a positive note, I know a lot of folks around the country are saying the same thing, but uh, San Diego State has, has really delivered, and this is a program that has had a lot of obstacles and challenges in non-conference play, particularly under the lead of Brian Dutcher. He's he's had his fair share of uh, non-conference hiccups, and to see this program off to a perfect start and could very well be the final undefeated team remaining in the nation, and they're projected to do so by Ken Palm. It's not really something I was expecting, and um, it sets up nicely for uh, a two-team race at the very least for the Mountain West as the season progresses, which I think is particularly beneficial for both of these two teams as well as the remainder of the conference to have two top 25 caliber teams battling it out for um, seeding and, and also the Mountain West Tournament Championship. Do you, uh, again, we're speaking with Eli Betker. He's with uh, he's a contributor for the Mountain West Wire and a couple other different publications. And Eli, with the the pending, and this is months away, but with the NCAA tournament and the selection committee, does this does this need to be only a two team race for two teams more at least more than one team to get in? Can really the Mountain West Conference do anything to help itself over these next couple of weeks before conference play really starts to get going? Well, if you see a third team start to solidify, I'm particularly looking at New Mexico or maybe even Nevada um, or Boise State, if you want to throw them in there as well. If there's a third team that can solidify itself as that firm number three, and you have that team that maybe not surpasses the San Diego State or Utah State the rest of the season, but just remains uh, maybe in a type of position that Fresno State was last year, uh, and just continues on a solid pace throughout the year, then you're really setting up what could be a three-bid league again because if you have two capable at-large teams and uh, the both of those teams go down in the Mountain West tournament, then that sets up an auto-bid, which adds another team into that field of 68, and that's ideally what the Mountain West wants and honestly has received the last couple of years. So uh, I can't necessarily put my finger on which team that could be the remainder of the season, and uh, after a month, it's, it is a bit hard to judge with different strength of schedules and, and coaches messing with different rotations and such. But um, we'll have to take a look at who that team could be a month from now or even two months from now and, and see if they can solidify themselves at, the, at that number two or number three spot. From uh, your observations as an outsider, just keeping an eye on Utah State, so what are some of your early observations about this team and where they're at right now? 
Yeah, I, I think it is a, a bit of a challenge to gauge where Utah State is when Nemeas Kate isn't at full health. Um, it is good to see him back on the floor now, but um, as expected, it should take a little bit of time for this team to really find what their potential is with, with Kata on the floor because, I mean, he's just as important to any player in this conference or even the remainder of the country uh, just from what he does and what he brings from the skill set pers- perspective. But for this team to be where they're at, even without their number two guy, they haven't suffered any damaging losses. They even have the quality win against LSU. I think that's a good sign for the Aggies moving forward. I think uh, on more of a positive note, Justin Bean has been just tremendous. and This is a guy that I've been a fan of um, dating back to last season. I, I thought that he really showed some flashes of potential late in the year, particularly in, in March when he delivered in the Mountain List tournament. And, I mean, to to go from former walk-on status to averaging 15 and 12 in a matter of a season is just, it, it, it speaks to what he brings to this team. And he does so much more than just putting up tallies in the box score. And you see him diving after loose balls and um, just being a good teammate. And I think that's what ties Utah State together. And um, every program around the nation could use a guy like Justin Bean because he just, he seems to be, I know it's so played out and um, and overused, but he really is the definition of what a glue guy is in, in terms of college basketball play. And um, I know that Utah State's really fortunate to have him um, pair alongside Sam Merrill and the Mias Keda. Yeah, uh, the uh, absolute best uh, way to describe him, as you have there. Yeah, He seems to always be in the right place at the right time and uh, gets... Uh, gets certainly the fans excited and his teammates excited with the way that he plays. And then Utah State here, they're facing a pretty tough stretch here the next week and a half. All three games that they have between now and December 21st are on neutral site, uh, neutral site courts. Uh, they face BYU in Salt Lake City, South Florida in Houston. They face Florida in Miami. How important do you think this three-game stretch is here for Utah State to get back into the top 25 or be back in the national discussion? Yeah, it's it's huge for Utah State. And I have always I've said for years now just how important non-conference scheduling and non-conference results are for particularly mid-major programs looking to receive at-larges. And obviously we're familiar with that in the Mountain West where it could really come down to what you did in non-conference play. And if your team lacks a top 50, top 75 win, then uh, or you have to pick up that auto bid in March. And Utah State, uh, they're certainly capable of, of winning those three games in the Mountain West Tournament, but no one wants to be in that situation where it's either win or go home. And if they're able to win two or three of these games um, over this next week and a half stretch, like you said, I think it really puts them in a more comfortable spot moving forward and so they can really focus on conference play and just remaining at the top of the ladder but uh, BYU obviously very familiar with this conference so far they've already played I believe four or five Mountain West teams to this point and coming off huge wins over UNLV and Nevada so that will be a tough one and Florida again marked as a national contender heading into the season if they're able to win that game as well I think that'll look really good on their team sheets um, on selection Sunday and that's all that Utah State can really ask for at this point, just making most of the opportunities that you have and um, getting back to full strength. So we'll see what they do over the next week and a half. But as you said, really big stretch for the Aggies. Do they need to go 3-0 and in this stretch uh, if they want to be able to get that at-large bid? 
in March? I, I don't think a uh, three-no stretch is required, especially with the nation knowing about this team. It's not like they're going to have to backdoor their way into the NCAA tournament conversation. I think if they do go 0-3, then that is certainly a cause for concern because then you're left with, I mean, maybe one or two top 50 win chances the rest of the year, and that's likely against San Diego State. And um, history says that if you don't have three, four, maybe five quality wins, then your, your chance of getting that large bid um, really declines. So having a win against BYU or Florida on that um, non-conference schedule moving forward, I think kind of eases the tension in the room for a mid-major program that has legitimate um, a goal of reaching the second week of the NCAA tournament. But again, you can't do that unless you have those quality victories. Uh, have you had a chance to, to see many of the, the BYU games when they've played Mountain West opponents? Um, not to this point, um, but I am I'm familiar with what BYU brings to the table, I would say. Um, I think bringing back Yoli Child is really big for them. Um, it is it is a pretty similar situation, I would say, BYU and Utah State being without their big men, but um, Yoli Child is now getting back into the swing of things, and uh, I think... I think that's going to probably be the key matchup um, between BYU and Utah State is is what can uh, Yoli Childs do against Namias Keita and or Justin Bean if um, Keita isn't quite ready to go. So um, uh, BYU is probably going to be that team that has their ups and downs, and they do have a pair of close overtime losses, but um, they've also blown out a, a number of capable teams. So um, it, it's definitely a, a solid challenge for Utah State that, um, I mean, they, they've had two solid challenges so far this season. Utah State has, and uh, one they delivered, and the other one came up short. So I, um, the Cougars definitely represent an opportunity for um, the Aggies. Well, uh, Eli, if folks want to follow some of your stuff, it's been great stuff, great uh, insight on a lot of these different teams in the Mountain West. What, where would you send people? Where, they, where can they find your material? Yeah, you can find my college basketball tweets uh, on Twitter, uh, Becker underscore Eli, that's B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R underscore E-L-I. And I'm also um, working over at Sporting News right now, so you can see plenty of content of uh, college basketball and a number of other things over on there as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Excellent. Well, uh, it's been great stuff. Uh, we've uh, You've been a friend of the program in the past. You always have some great insight about all the teams going on in the Mountain West. So appreciate your time tonight with an insight of the current state of the Mountain West. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. uh, It's Eli Betker, contributor to the Sporting News.